Hi, welcome to Coffee Break for Your Soul. Encouragement for your journey, your story, for you. A podcast where we'll explore what it means to spark joy, to rest and refresh, and live as God's beloved. Where I share what I'm learning on my journey as it unfolds with you. I'm your host, Bonnie Gray, author of Whispers of Rest and Finding Spiritual White Space. Don't forget, I love to answer your questions, so post your questions for me on Facebook or Instagram at the Bonnie Gray. If you're not on Facebook, go to my website, which is thebonniegray.com. Together we'll discover what being the beloved might look like in your life and mine. Now, breathe, pull up a chair, I'll pour the coffee. Let's begin. I love what the jazz singer Billie Holiday said. She said, if I'm going to sing like someone else, then I don't need to sing at all. It's unmistakable whenever I hear Billie Holiday sing. There's nobody else. You can't mistake her voice for anybody else. And God has put a song in your heart. He's placed a voice in your mind and in your heart and in your thoughts that only you can be able to give voice to. Psalm 43 says, he has put a new song in my mouth. He has given me a new song to sing. Another translation says, he has a new song for you to sing. God loves singing. In Revelations chapter 5 verse 9, we also find that the elders were bowing down to the lamb and they were singing a new song. They were singing a new song. And this new song saying, you are worthy. What's beautiful is we see when they sang, You Are Worthy, that new song in Revelations they were singing to God, it says that the elders were carrying golden bowls of incense, which had the prayers of the saints. Wow. They had harps, and they're carrying these golden bowls of prayer, you know, said by the saints. And and that was like culminating in a new song that they were singing, that you are worthy. That means your voice your prayers that means in other words your words to god they're beautiful so beautiful they're in a golden bowl it's like incense rising up to god and so i want to welcome you to our special whispers of christmas advent podcast (laughs) it's a special series where for four weeks you and i are gonna take time to slow down slow right down and experience Christmas in our souls. Not just Christmas, busy Christmas, you know? Christmas, busy Christmas, that's kind of the default, okay? That's the default, the world is so noisy. Even within our Christian culture, it can get so noisy as to when we do Advent and how we do Advent and and how often do we do it and, and what we're doing it with and all these details but you know what Christmas is really experiencing God's whispers in your heart and so we are going to take time once a week I'm so excited it's such an honor to do this with you for the next four weeks then once a week we're going to let Christmas touch your heart I'd like to guide you to that time and we're gonna do it in a contemplative fashion 
a contemplative style and contemplative, contemplative prayer. <laughs> like those golden bowls of incense rising up, singing a new song. And you, as you do, slow down. And we do this whispers of rest. You'll find your heart releasing and open. And you'll be reminded, I have a song to sing. You do. You have a new song to sing. Yes, you do. And so we're going to do this through contemplative prayer practice. Now, what's contemplative prayer? Contemplative prayer really is just letting scripture, letting God's word, word speak to you, letting it touch you. Contempt, contemplative prayer is prayer of the heart, where we pray through scripture, allowing, allowing scripture to just speak to you. So it's different from, say, um, analyzing or reflecting on the teaching of scripture, right? So that's good Bible study where you just exegete the whole passage. But what we're going to do, what I love about Christmas is it's just a, such a wonderful time of year to just experience the beautiful like lights and the music and just the quietness of winter. And, you know, even right now I'm putting on like my cozy sweater because it's actually getting cold in California. It's in the 60s. I know, don't laugh. <laughs> Those of you where it's already snowing, um, it's just so cold. I mean, this is cold for me, but I have my cozy sweater on and it's just like a full sensory time. But in order to feel Christmas, we have to slow down. And we want to slow down. Everybody loves slowing down. But how can we do that? We're just gonna create pockets of rest with whispers of Christmas. Okay, so don't be busy this year. Don't be busy this year. Christmas is too beautiful to miss. Let's slow right down. Now I wanna tell you about our show today. It's really special, very, very special because we're gonna do a Whispers of Christmas. We're gonna enjoy a time of prayer, okay? I'm gonna guide you through it. It's gonna be really fun and refreshing. And we're gonna do it through walking through scripture today in a very simple way. Um, second, we are going to then get an update and talk about um, hope because we're going to do our whispers of rest on the theme of hope. And we're going to talk about um, hope. <laughs> and specifically, we're on the journey to do the things that help our souls come alive, make us feel like we're coming alive. And so this week we have a question. What inspires you to do the things you want to do today rather than letting stress steal your spark? right? Letting stress steal your spark. We don't want that. No, we want to free you to feel inspired to do what you want to do. And it has to do with hope. So we're going to do that. Okay. I'll, I'll share with you uh, what I learned this week about being the beloved <laughs> and taking steps to be inspired to do the things you want to do with God. Okay. Um, and they had to do with hope. And third, we have such an exciting guest. You know, when you go to a Christmas party, sometimes if you have like a special guest, everybody gets like, oh, Sansa's coming, Sansa's coming. Well, we have Kristen Welch. Kristen Welch, yes. She's the author and blogger at We Are That Family. She has a really, really fun blog and very purposeful blog, We Are That Family. And she wrote Raising Grateful Kids in a in an entitled world, raising grateful kids in an, uh, in an entitled world. 
<laughs> got a little tongue tied there. Okay. But this is a really great conversation I have with Kristen. I'm so excited to share it today because it's going to give us hope, give you hope. And she's going to share about nurturing. We're going to talk about nurturing our hearts so that we can nurture the hearts of our children so that they can experience gratitude. You can't kind of make and force somebody to be like grateful, right? <laughs> you can't, you really can't. You have to be able to guide and nurture a grateful heart so that it results in feeling grateful, right? So we're gonna talk about this awesome topic and how to like break busyness, break the cycle of busyness um, because Kristen says, well, mom and busy, they're kind of synonymous. And so how do you break that cycle? So it's a really, really awesome conversation. Please invite your friends to listen to this podcast. We've got so many gems of wisdom that Kristen's going to share with us. And, um, and um, it would be awesome to go through and do whispers of Christmas together as a collective community, wherever we're at, and just slow right down and experience God's peace and presence. That's really what we long for, right? To be touched by Christmas in you. Okay, you don't have to make Christmas happen. I think that's a big part of the stress of Christmas is that we think, oh my gosh, I need to do this, this, that, that, because so-and-so's doing it. And this person says, if I do this, then I'm going to celebrate Christmas. No, actually, Christmas is already in you. Christmas is in you. It's Jesus, his presence, his peace. So when you slow down, you take time to breathe and to really think about what are the things that make Christmas meaningful to you. That is where we want to head. That is where we want to go. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do now is we're going to take a breath. We're going to slow right down. We're going to experience whispers of Christmas. Now, as I read these scriptures, I'm going to be guiding you to ask some questions. And as you hear the music, just go ahead and relax and just let the, I'll be guiding you just to let the prompts just allow you to go where the Holy Spirit may be guiding you to go. Okay. Now, one thing that we love to do in um, just spending time with God this way in a contemplative way is to listen as I read the scriptures, listen for one word that speaks to you. One word that touches your heart. You don't have to know why. It just draws you in or catches your attention, okay? So as I read, go ahead and just be in a, a softened place in your soul. And if you're sitting somewhere, just relax, close your eyes, put your feet up. If you're driving, just take a deep breath, but don't close your eyes. <laughs> um, if you're taking a walk, just, just allow yourself to have this moment where you can just let go of the worries that have been on your mind maybe before you started listening to this podcast. Just put them to the side for now. They're, they'll still be there, <laughs> but put them to the side because during this time, as you allow God to just touch you and move you, you'll be changed. And those worries, when you come back to them, won't have such a great pull. All right. The passage today is from Luke Chapter 1. The angel appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered 
what kind of greeting this might be. So the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You shall give him the name Jesus, and he'll be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be with me, just as you say. Then the angel left. So what was the one word or phrase that seemed to capture you as you heard the scripture? What was that one phrase? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting that Mary's response to this news was confusion, and she was perplexed. She was wondering, what does this mean? Now, is there something that's happening in your life at this beginning of Advent, as we step into it, that you may be asking, I'm confused. I don't understand. How can this be? What is that? What is that that's happening where you're asking the same question as Mary is asking? God's reply to Mary through the angel Gabriel was radical. You know, because Mary, Mary's sense of timing to her was like, this is kind of strange, like it's not making sense. Like the timing for all this and the situation that I'm in, it's just, it's not really matching <laughs> what I can understand. Yet God's reply to Mary is nothing you see is impossible with God. Nothing you see is impossible with God. Do you actually believe that nothing is impossible with God? Do you believe that God can do anything? Mary could have responded with, not now, not me, not this way, but instead, Mary believed. Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's. Let it be with me just as you say. Let it be with me, just as you say. Take this time now. 
take this time now. How are you feeling? How do you find yourself reacting to these words from Mary? When she says, let it be with me, just as you say. Are you in a place where those words make you feel, are they difficult for you? Do you welcome those words? Tell Jesus about it. Confide in him as friend to friend. He loves you. He knows you. He understands you. Mary saw wasn't how things would work out. Mary had no idea what was up ahead of her. She wasn't placing her hope on how things would work out and what exactly was going to happen. And in fact, God's timing was kind of strange because instead of having Mary pregnant before the census or after the census so that she could be at home to give birth, her birth happened in a foreign land. Her birth happened in a stable. Her birth happened when she was far away from everyone. And not only that, they then had to escape to Egypt. And Joseph was probably confused. He was probably asking, well, how can this be? And and what and when? And so many details. And yet God's answer is, I am with you. I am with you. So hope isn't found in what we can do or how things can work out. Because the journey is a real human journey, we, things don't always turn out the way that we would want them to. But one thing's for sure, our hope is in not what we do. Our hope is in a person. It's not in something. Hope, we don't hope in something, but our hope is in someone. And this someone is Jesus. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, where Jesus has entered. So our hope is Jesus. He's the anchor. So as different things sway you, um, different unexpected things happen as you have a plan, or maybe you think this is the step God wants you to take. No matter what happens, the important thing to know is that your hope is in someone who's holding your hand, someone who cares about and knows your every way and will never ever leave you or me. So move into Christmas the way that would make you feel God's love, joy, peace, his hope best. Okay? And if you don't feel hopeful, know that it's okay. All right? Because Christmas is all the time, also a time where things are so intense. And things that might be frail or frayed 
are broken. They're intensified during the holidays. And God understands this in Proverbs 13:12. It says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. God knows our, we are heart sick when we don't have hope. We don't, we don't even know how things are going to turn out. We don't, we don't even know what to hope for. Maybe, maybe you've given up hope. <laughs> maybe you're short on hope. Maybe you're just kind of suspicious of hope or worried about hope. But it doesn't matter because hope is in the person who holds your hand. Hope is not going away. Hope is your anchor. Hope is Jesus and he's with you. You can go through this Christmas season just as you are. And I want you to return. You know that one word that you had, you were drawn to? I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down. That's for your, your for the taking. You can go back and read that passage as well in Luke and then just see what word. And just let that word speak to you this week, okay? That word is your hope. That word somehow, maybe it's a word of connection that you feel understood by God. Wow. What a beautiful place to land with Jesus. I hope you enjoyed this Whispers of Rest prayer for this week. Let it be with me, just as you say. You could just take this prayer into this week of Advent. You can return to it at any time. Just say, let it be. Let it be with me, just as you say. It's a wonderful short breath prayer. Well, we are going to move on to the second part of our show, but I'll be posting this devotional with the different prayer prompts in our Whispers of Rest Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group for the Whispers of Rest book club. And um, you'll be able to join by going to whispersofrest.com and purchase a copy of the book to become a member so we can have a community of kindred spirits on the same journey and kind of speak the same soul language together. And I'll be looking forward to meeting up with you there for those who are in the book club. Now, the second part of today's podcast, I wanted to share an update on what I learned this week about being the beloved. Well, last week, we had answered the question, well, we asked the question, what makes you come alive? And I brought up some lighthouse questions that can help you brainstorm. Well, I had some responses where some of you had said, I tried, but I really didn't know what to say or how to answer it. Well, I want to put together a Facebook Live on Friday. On Friday, I'll do a Facebook Live um, to kind of talk more about it and share more about uh, maybe maybe some of the reasons why you might have found it difficult, but how to break through that and kind of share the, uh, more about that process. It's going to be in our uh, book club. So look for that on Friday, December 8th. And um, I'll be there at 9.30 uh, Pacific time and we'll do a Facebook Live. Okay, I'll tell you more and, and show you more. Um, the other thing for the update is that I did go and try to sign up for an art class and I reached out to a friend of mine, Karen Wong, who is a painter and she's an award-winning painter. I'll have her on later on for a podcast, I think. But it was 
surprising to me because at first I thought it was going to be, she was going to tell me the classes she took was at some art institute and it's going to be really expensive. And it turns out Karen told me, oh, when she started painting 20 years ago, she just took a class at the community um, class nearby. And suddenly a Mount Everest became a little, just little bump, and I think I can do it, right? So you never know. Sometimes things just feel bigger when we don't take action, and it just becomes a big Mount Everest to us. But take action, and you may find, uh, be surprised that it might not be as hard as you think. You feel resistance. It feels really hard. That's totally normal, but push through that and take that step. Okay, so when I did go to the website to sign up and register, I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I missed it. The registration is over for this coming month, and so I'm going to have to find a different class or um, wait until later in January. So my first reaction was like discouraged. First, I was like, yay, I can go sign up. And then second, I was like, uh-oh, I'm too late. <laughs> And so I just wanted to take um, one question and answer one question, which a lot of people's responses, they feel as they were doing these lighthouse brainstorming questions, they felt, oh gosh, it's been, it's too late. Um, this happened earlier in my life, or I feel like it's just too hard. Um, I once was motivated, but then I got disappointed. And so this refrain, it's too late. I don't know if you resonate with that, but it's just very common. And I just wanted to reassure you that this is very natural when we get close to stepping through, to taking action, to move towards something that would refresh you, make you come alive, and it's new. This feeling of resistance and one of the first defenses is it's too late. It's very normal because it's self-protection. We don't want to get hurt again. We don't want to be disappointed. And sometimes we don't want to find out that we could potentially fail or the vision of what we had in mind isn't matching the reality. So I want you to first and foremost know that it's normal um, and that God is not hindered by it. And I wanted to encourage you to say that it's never too late. And the reason is because we look at Jesus turning water into wine and we find that God saves the best for last, doesn't he? Usually people put the best wine at the beginning of the wedding banquet so people are not too tipsy to taste what great wine it is. But it was only after everybody was loaded up with alcohol and they really can probably savor and enjoy all the different flavors of the good wine that Jesus turned water into wine. So Jesus saves the best for last. He does a different sense of timing than we do. We just need to have the faith to believe him when he says, it's not too late. I'm with you. I'm going to turn water into wine. So something might look very ordinary. God takes the ordinary and makes it into something beautiful. Why? Because he's with us. So whatever water it is God's been asking you to pour out, what is that step of water? The, notice in the story, the water doesn't turn into wine until the servants actually scoop the water out and then it becomes wine. It says, as they took out the water, then it became wine. 
So if you keep looking at something, an idea you have or a desire you have, you keep looking at it, but you don't take action, it's still going to look like water. It's going to look like nothing special about it. <laughs> and you might be staring into maybe past memories of disappointment and pain, but you need to scoop it out and take action and to pour it, whatever that is. And then you'll be able to see Jesus turning water into wine. So I'm going to still keep going. I'm going to accept that, yeah, I felt discouraged, <laughs> but I am going to keep going. I'm going to go try to find some other artists to ask, and I'm going to go search for some more, and I will sign up. And even if it means I do it later at the next opening, I'm going to do it. Um, so I want you to encourage you to not allow the past to influence your next steps. So the question this week I wanted you to ask yourself is, what inspires you to do things you want to do today rather than letting stress steal your spark? Okay, one is don't compare what you did in the past because what God's going to do is going to be better. Not because it looks better, because he's with you. He's with you. And there's this beautiful, beautiful verse that I love to share. And it is from, let me look it up here. It says, do not despise small beginnings. Do not despise small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. That's in Zechariah 4.10. Now what's interesting about Zechariah 4.10, don't despise these small beginnings, is the story behind it. It was a second temple that was being built. And compared to the first temple that Solomon built, this one looked really sad. The people that had seen the first temple actually tore their clothes. Um, the priests tore their clothes and they were wailing. That's what they do when people die. <laughs> they tear their clothes and they wail and weep because they're like, this second temple can never compare to the first. There's just no way. And so God's response is, don't despise small beginnings. And the reason he says is because, get this, this is the second part of the passage, my spirit is in you. The glory of this temp latter temple will be greater than the former. So they got it wrong just like I got it wrong. <laughs> I compare with what it could have been. But God say, no, look, look at it right now. I'm with you. That's how it's going to be better. Okay, so step forward. It's Don't compare it to the past because what's going to be better is the God who's in you, your experience with him. Okay. Um, the second thing is that uh, a lot of times we are pulled by other people's uh, demands. So when I wanted to um, post this podcast, there were actually a lot of things that were happening. Um, my, my newsletters, email, there were like blew up on me the same day I was going to send it out and post it. And there were some things happening at my son's school that I had to go take care of. And I couldn't post it on Monday as I had wanted to do it. And I just wanted to give up. I'm like, oh, I missed it. I told everybody I was going to do it Monday and then now I'm not doing it. And I was just like discouraged. Like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have started it. Forget about it. So you might have the same kind of feeling. Maybe there's certain... Um, metrics or expectations that you have or you think other people have on you on what something should look like in your life, whether it be a family, whether it be a dream, whether it be starting something new um, or fill in the blank, how you should be celebrating Christmas, who should be in your Christmas, how it should look like. 
there's other people's expectations. And God says, you know, don't look at any of that because I'm with you. Your story is unique. Your story is different. God knows the circumstances happening in your life, and he still wants you to walk with him. He still wants you to have peace. He still wants you to have joy, but the way that makes sense to you, not to anybody else. Okay, so here's this awesome quote that I love from Richard Swenson in The Overload Syndrome. Because we often then get busy. We're, our voice is so small because it's so hard to like find your voice. Remember singing your song? You're like, I don't even know if this is a good song. You just don't want to sing it, right? So then other people, we take on other people's song or we're, we're not singing our song. We're singing somebody else's song and uh, we become too busy. So remember I said, we're not going to have a busy Christmas this year, right? So Richard Swenson says, it's okay to have limits. It is okay not to be all things to all people, all of the time, all by ourselves. It's okay to have limits. It is okay not to be all things to all people, all of the time, all by ourselves. Wow, that's powerful. So pick up your courage, (laughs) move towards whatever seed God's put on your heart and you can have limits and say no. This is going to be a great segue to go to uh, Kristen's interview, um, my conversations with Kristen, because how do we say no in a way that's gracious? Well, we're going to, that's one of the fun nuggets that's going to come up too. So can't wait, can't wait for you to hear it. So I hope this helps you. This week, I want you to be asking yourself again, what inspires you to do things you want to do today rather than letting stress steal your spark? So beware of people putting their expectations on you first. And second, beware of your own discouragement. If things aren't working out exactly to your timing, don't worry. God's timing is still always going to come through through, and it's never too late. All right. Well, we are going to now listen to... Kristen's interview. And I wanted to say this interview that I had with Kristen, I recorded it actually last year. I recorded it last year with Kristen and it was such a special time. And well, why, why am I publishing it now a year later? Well, I want to share something with you and I hope that encourages you that it's never too late. So last year when I recorded my interview with Kristen, I actually... After I did it, I went through a period of um, anxiety and um, I was going through a season of uh, feeling depressed because I was writing my book, Whispers of Rest, and there were some stressful things happening as I was writing that book. And that always happens. Anytime you're going to put your heart out there, you're going to do something that's really authentic to your voice, um, you know you become you become very vulnerable, um, I think, to um, stress. And so if something happens, you know, it for someone like me who was still um, ending a period of healing, it brought up a lot of um, stress. And so I realized that I it's not the time, right time for me to do the podcast because I wanted to focus on writing the book. Um, so that is very important is that you need to prioritize and value one thing that fills your soul, one thing that really fills your soul. And it can't be multiple things. 
some people could do multiple things, but I can't. I can only focus on one thing that's um, filling my soul and really expressing my soul. So I unfortunately wasn't able to publish the podcast. So I felt really bad about it because I felt, oh boy, she spent all this time with me and I'm not able to publish it right now. And so guess what though? God has been working on my heart and he's saying, as I wanted to do this podcast, he said, hey, Bonnie, it's not too late. It's never too late to share share what I've already done with you. And um, your timing, your, your thinking of what the right timing is, is very different from God's. God's timing is seen in the lens of love. So God loves you and God doesn't feel like you're too late. God doesn't feel like you're too late. So I'm going to share this interview with you, with Kristen, and I am pretty sure you're going to be blown away by how God speaks um, encouragement to us through my conversation with Kristen and what Kristen has to share from her heart. Um, since it's Christmas right now, you also may be thinking about organizations um, that you would like to give towards um, this month as you're shoring up um, funds that um, you can give to beautiful causes. Um, I want you to consider a Kristen's ministry. It's called Mercy House. Mercy House is um, this wonderful organization that takes care of women and empowers them. Um, it's in Kenya, and you can read all about it at mercyhouse.org. You can go to also Kristen Welch's blog, We Are That Family. You'll see the links to it. And so you'll hear about that as um, I want you to consider, and I'll give the URL as well at the end. Okay, here we go. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome to another edition of Coffee Break for Your Soul. And it's a time where we could just stop and pause and have some conversation that can really let us know that all is well and all is all right. Something to inspire us. And today I'm so excited to have my friend Kristen Welch here with us. Kristen, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Bonnie. Well, I first have to ask you, in the morning, do you like to drink coffee or tea? Because, you know, we're having a coffee break for our soul right now. Yes, and I, I'm a big tea drinker, and I'm actually drinking tea right now. So <laughs> this is perfect. Oh, really? What are you drinking? Sweet tea. I'm a southern girl, so this is the time of day I like to have it. Just a little pick-me-up. Oh, you know, I think that that is just really reflective of what, you know, really draws us to have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, just kind of picks us up right when we need it. And um, I'm so happy that we can have a conversation today about nurturing our hearts, nurturing our hearts in a way that helps us to be grateful. Um, because we all need that pick me up when um, I guess our lives may not feel like there's, um, there's room or space to be grateful. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you, how, how are you seeing that? I guess, um, because one thing that's really exciting is you have a new book out and it's called raising grateful kids in an entitled world. Yes. And so why don't you share with us? Like, where is that seed come from? The seed for the stories in this book and about nurturing grateful hearts. You know, it really just comes from real life. Um, whether it's my blog or books or whatever I'm writing, I'm a process writer. So 
I usually don't know how I feel about something until I write it down. And I've always been a big journaler and, um, my journal just really became an online (laughs) journal eight or nine years ago when I started blogging. And so I really just write to process how I feel or what I'm struggling with. Um, I, I don't always have the answers when I write. And so I started writing about just some struggles and things I was seeing at home. Um, not, not just with my kids, but with me as a parent. And I started just reflecting and, and writing about that on my blog. And I realized I was hitting a chord with a lot of other, um, moms and parents who were feeling the same way, just this really intense desire to really do what the Bible tells us to live as aliens in this world and, and to live differently than the world. But it's, it's challenging. It's hard because our kids go through these phases where they want to be just like everyone else. And, and we even struggle that with that as adults and and Christians, we, we want to be like everyone else. And so just really processing through that. And, and, um, I never really set out to write a book on entitlement or a parenting book because my kids are still fairly young and at home with me. And so writing a parenting book while being a parent is like probably writing a marriage book while being separated. (laughs) It's a very challenging, um, but I really just wanted to proclaim and let other moms know that I'm in the trenches with them and I don't have it all figured out. And, you know, we're just aiming for great kids and some days we, we hit the mark and some days, days we don't. Yeah. And I think that, um, I love the name of your blog, which is we are that family because it kind of reflects what you're saying that you're writing from your journey. You're writing from what you're experiencing and, um, you're showing everyone, look, this is, this is how I'm experiencing life. And, and I, you're not the only one, right? We're, we, we have each other. And, um, I think that that's why this book is powerful because if you wrote it as somebody who's already done it, and then you look back, things look a little different. Don't you think if you look back versus this is what I'm experiencing, this is what I'm processing and learning. And that's harder to write. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's challenging because I think, you know, no one really wants to say they're an expert or they've got it all together. Um, especially moms because our kids, they tend to prove us wrong, um, when we least expect it. Um, but I think a lot of times we don't share our struggles and our stories. Uh, you know, we, it's hard to be vulnerable in this area. Um, but I've always written from that place of just trying to be real and transparent. And, um, and that's really where this, where this whole project came from. Well, I'm really curious, you know, when you talk about raising grateful kids in an entitled world, um, you talked about the cycle of busyness and that, um, one of the things I felt you were trying to share with us is that dinner time and spending time together in relationship, um, is really, really kind of where the hearts of your children and also your own heart, it's like being shared in the stories. Can you share a little bit about that? Like what, what that's like, you know, trying to break from that cycle of busyness and what that looks like. Well, I think, um, 
moms and the word mom and busy, they just go together. You know, we're nurturers and caretakers. We've got dinner and laundry and school projects and, you know, it's just endless. And it's so easy to get sucked into that and, and to turn around and it's already Friday and the week is gone and we didn't have dinner together or, um, we're trying to keep up with everyone else. And we have our children in five activities because that's what everyone else is doing. And I think at some point we have to stop and we have to decide what's our family mission. What are we supposed to be doing? And we did that years ago, probably seven or eight years ago. And, um, it wasn't like a super spiritual thing. We just were like, we're so busy and we're so caught up in this crazy trap in our culture of just running all the time. What are we supposed to be doing as a family? What is God, what is his specific purpose for our family? And I really believe that he gives us that mission for our family. You know, we're, I'm a firm believer. We are where we are for a reason. And it's not just to get through it. It's, to impact those around us. And so why, why am I living here? What, what is the purpose of this job or this place? And, and so we sat down as a family and just really dug into that. And we wrote out our family mission statement, what we felt like God was calling us to do. And it was really just, you know, loving on others and, um, opening the windows and doors of our home and letting the world in so that we could reflect Jesus to other people. And from that, it really, our lives really flowed from that mission statement in just a very natural way. And so I think sitting down and just being intentional, you know, making um, a priority of, of dinner together or devotions with your kids or, um, you know, we're not always going to hit it out of the ballpark. I mean, there have been probably more times that, I've said we're going to have a family devotion tonight that didn't turn out well than did, but it's the consistency that our families need that we're going to try. Even if we fell, we're going to keep trying. And I think that teaches them tenacity and grit and, and some of those character traits that we long to see in our families. I think one of the um, hard things is kind of, the journey of doing it. Cause I, I feel like it's not going to be a light switch, right? Cause for instance, like we just finished um, Advent, right? Just a couple mm-hmm. months ago. And there's a picture of how we think it ought to look like or how it ought to feel like. And then when we actually sit down with our, our kids and with each other, we're all at different places, right? So one night we might be really tired. Um, another night, right. maybe something happened at school and the kids are just you know, not, not in the mood for it. And so I feel like in my own journey of learning to um, give myself permission that it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be perfect that, um, the point is we're just doing it together. We're just trying it together. Mm -hmm. And I felt like once I was able to, um, give that permission to myself, then I was able to give it to my kids. I'm like, Hey kids, you know, let's just try, you know, I know it doesn't feel like maybe, um, maybe you're tired right now. It kind of like once I gave myself permission to maybe feel tired, then I can say to my kids, you know what? I know we're all tired. It's okay. Um, and then also to be flexible, right? Yes. Kind of like I have a plan, like, Oh, I want to do the example. I want us all to share. And then I want us to do this verse, you know, and then, 
kind of giving myself permission, like, hey, it's okay. Why don't we just uh, read this, read this one verse, and then um, we can just share if there's any prayer requests. Just kind of changing it yeah, in the right. moment, depending on where people are at. Do you ever find that, you know, kind of as we give our own selves permission? Yeah, I think that we will want to keep we, doing it. Otherwise, it just becomes like um, another thing on our plate that we have to perform, that we have right. to get right. Yeah, definitely. And I think that um, we really lead by example more than anything else. And our kids see us um, in our failure and they see us trying. And um, I think that anytime it becomes um, a chore or something we have to do, um, I think we can miss the heart of God. I know just a couple of weeks ago, one of my kids was just really, I don't know, seemed to be struggling. And um, as my kids have gotten older, they've you know, they struggle in different ways. You know, sometimes they're very quiet and sometimes they're just, you know, want to be alone. And, and, um, it was a Sunday morning and I just felt like the right thing to do is to get up and go to church like we do every Sunday. But the holy thing to do is to crawl in bed next to my kid and just spend time connecting. And we, you know, I found the secret chocolate stash. And that's what I did. And I think we have to be flexible with our kids. We have to let grace rule our home more than rules or, um, an agenda, you know, raising grateful kids or leading an intentional home isn't a list of do's and don'ts. And it's not a checklist of things we have to complete. It's really just through prayer and asking God for wisdom and guidance and, listening to the heart of our kids and saying we're sorry and leading by example and letting our kids know, Hey, this is hard for me too. You know, I'm messing up and would you forgive me? And let's figure this out together. I think that's really where we find the key, um, to, to what we're looking for. Oh my gosh. There's so many things you said there, just like giving me goosebumps, really giving me goosebumps because, you know, you, you said, Rather than doing the right thing, let's do the holy thing. And it involved mm-hmm. chocolate <laughs> and snuggling. And um, you were, I, I just felt like it, you were like a picture of God. Like for us, like when we're tired, I guess when you said you looked at your kids and they were quiet and it seemed like they were tired. And I feel like that's how God looks at us. Like we push ourselves so hard. But... Um, but then we, God can just kind of look at us and sense what it is we need. Yes, that's it. That's the key. I think we get so wrapped up in three easy steps and um, I need a book that it's going to solve it all. And um, I think that's why it's so important. You know, I feel like anytime I, I speak on this subject or write or talk, I, I want to be vulnerable and real because I don't have it all figured out and I mess up way more than I want to admit. And, um, I think it's just pressing into God's plan and purpose for us and just being okay with being inadequate and letting his strength, you know, be made perfect in our weakness. I think that's what our kids need to see. I was just reading the other day, um, 
about um, this whole issue with young adults not wanting to stay in church and, you know, kids who'd been raised in church. And um, as my kids get older, you know, I wonder because we have we have raised them in church and we've done everything that we know to do to lead them to Christ. And, and we they're following Christ, but, you know, we don't know what the future holds and what their story is going to tell and reveal. And um, but this article was so interesting because it said church attendance and um, and youth groups and all these programs that we feel are so important. Um, they they are important, but they aren't the defining factor. And if our kids will follow Jesus, the number one thing, and this is according you know to polls and stats and research, but the number one thing that was successful in will kids stay in church and will they follow Jesus is watching their parents. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that spoke volumes to me that it's not a right or wrong or do these yeah. 20 things, you know? It's, yeah. I saw Jesus at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I watched my parents pray. I yeah. saw them lean into God when they were hurting. Yeah. They turned to him when they needed more of him. And I think that that's the key that raising kids that follow Jesus, you know, they're following in our footsteps. Well, I think that, um, when something you hit on is they saw you say, trust in God and lean on God, but I think they also need to know our stories. They need to know what we're going through, right? If we just say, we need to just trust in God, but they don't, they're not just listening to our words. They're trying to see what that means and experience it through us. So when you were saying in your, you know, previous, um, sharing of the story that, um, you say to, we can say to our kids, you know what, this is hard for me too. And let's figure Mm -hmm. this out together. And that means they have to be part of our stories, right? Because the story is always changing and the kind of problems or the drama that's unfolding is always, um, you know, changing. So they, we need to put, uh, bring them into it. Yes, we do. And, you know, just last night at dinner, <laughs> I would, I needed to be two places at once. Um, my daughter needs a dress for the father daughter dance for Valentine's day. And my other daughter had tumbling and I had missed tumbling the last two weeks and she really wanted me to watch her. And, you know, I had this small window of time. I needed to be two places at once and I felt pressure. You know, I just didn't want to let either of my kids down. And, and I felt like I was going to, you know, have a meltdown. (laughs) Um, and so I just told them, I'm like, listen, you guys, I have to tell you, I don't know what to do here. You know, I love you both. I want to be two places at once. And I let them into my struggle that, They both wanted to feel like in the moment they mattered. And we've had a really busy month um, with, you know, life and work and our ministry. And so, you know, I wanted them to know I, I need help here. I need you to see that I'm only human. And um, once I did that, it was so interesting because they were both like, oh, you know, offering to give me up for the other sister, which I thought was so sweet. And um, I said, no, let's, we can make this all work. And my husband pitched in and we, I went to 30 minutes of tumbling and, um, then went dress shopping with my daughter and, and tried to 
appease everyone, but it was good for them to see that, you know, mom is stressed out (laughs) and she's going to cry if we don't, you know, ease up on her. And, um, it was just a good moment to, for them to see my humanity. Um, and, and they see it when I lose my cool over, you know, a messy room or whatever, but they're seeing more, I think my, my weak, um, sinful side, it's good for them to see the, the side that just says, you know, um, I'm struggling today and you can help me. Um, and, and so it was a good moment. Yeah. We're giving them permission mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. come alongside us and we're doing this together and you're leading, you're leading, um, and marrying that. So one thing I thought that was interesting when I was reading through, um, your book, Grateful Kids and Entitled World, you were sharing that it's, um, in developing these hearts that there are some, I guess, pitfalls that us as parents, that it makes it hard for us, um, I guess, to nurture that grateful heart for our kids. And one of the things you listed was about um, um, being busy. And we've talked about that. Another one is, um, it's hard for us to see our kids um, when they're unhappy, that we don't want them to be unhappy. And I know that... um, I know that for myself that that is hard because, you know, it touches in my, my own story in times maybe when I was a child that were very hard for me and very unhappy. And I, I don't want my, my child, my kids to experience that. And I think that's mm-hmm. pretty common, don't you think, as, as parents, right? If our, yeah. our kids are unhappy, you know, it touches something inside us and we, we, we don't yeah, want I, them to feel it. I think... Um when we become parents, you know, the last thing we want is an unhappy child, an unhappy baby. You know, we work so hard <laughs> to get our, our tiny little bundles to sleep and not cry. And, um, we want everything to be perfect. And I think that's just that maternal parental instinct to take care of our children, to protect them, to provide for them. And I think it's so easy for that natural instinct. And it's a good thing. It's not negative, but it's so easy for that to really um, transfer into um, as they get older and grow, not telling them no and wanting to keep them happy all the time. So what's so what's one, 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 I guess, one story that you can share with us for yourself that it was hard for you, like a situation with your kids where it was hard for you to say no? Oh, well, I mean, pretty much every day it's hard <laughs> for me. I mean, I, I think that temporary unhappiness um, is a part of um, daily life in most homes. Um, we can't make our kids happy all the time. Um, let's see, just the other day, one of my kids wanted to buy something. They had birthday money and, uh, they laid it on the counter, counted it out and they were $10 short. And, um, this was, you know, something they had been saving for. And, uh, they had chosen not to do their chores that weekend because they had money. So they didn't, they were like, I'm not going to do my chores. And, and, um, and so they wanted us to pitch in that the missing $10, Um, and you know, I, I just said, if you had done your chores, you would have enough money. Um, so unfortunately you're going to have to wait another week, um, and save 
money and do some odd jobs to get what you want. And there was a lot of unhappiness over that. But I think what we have to remember is our goal isn't to raise happy children. It's to produce content adults. And if we're so busy trying to keep our children unhappy, um, you know, yeah, I could have given my child the $10, but what would I have taught them about hard work and about saving and about instant gratification and about getting what you want when you want it? And, um, you know, my kids know that there's a list of, of chores and if they don't do them, then there's not, um, the consequence of that is, is, um, they, they don't get what they want. And so I think there's always instances, um, where it's, it's hard to say no to our kids, especially if we have kids who, you know, there's a big fallout when we do say no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know that, that it's, that if it's coming, um, I yes. think it's it's hard. You'd rather avoid it. Like if if we're having a difficult time with whatever we're going through, right? We're 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 feeling worn thin. Then it's harder for us to you know give a patient no, you know, because <laughs> right. we know that it's going to affect us. So that kind of gets into um, my my other thought was, I feel like the more we nurture our heart and ourself. Like if we feel like we have margin, it's easier um, to have that kind of heart and the strength to be gracious and say no. And, and to be able in some cases, you know, to, to take the brunt of whatever attitude or unhappiness that's going to be a fallout. Don't you think? Like if we're yeah. in a good place, right? And we're going to say no, we're going to be firm um, for whatever it is, right? In terms of trying to raise grateful kids in an entitled world and not just give things to them um, because they want it, right? Or to avoid their unhappiness. It doesn't, do you feel like it helps that when you are feeling nurtured, you are getting your rest and, um, you know, being well nurtured, then it's easier to be that parent? Definitely. I think God parents me. And if I'm being disobedient and stubborn, and not doing what he wants me to do, then that's going to be reflected in how I parent my kids. And so when I'm spending time in the word and praying and, um, you know, living the way that I should be and, and not just a list of do's and don'ts, yeah. but really connecting with the heart of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm a better mom and I'm also, um, more in tune yeah. to, yeah what my kids are struggling with. And, you know, there's always so many layers yes. with our children. Yes. You know, if there, there is an outburst or behavior, you know, it's not just they're a bad kid. It's never really it. It's um, maybe they need attention. Maybe I'm not spending enough time with them or maybe they're being picked on at school or they feel left out. You know, there's always a reason. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think we just rush to discipline and we don't take time to get to the heart of, you know, what's bothering our kids. So I know when I'm in tune with God and I'm really spending um, the time that I need to refresh my own soul, I'm much more in tune to when my kids are struggling. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head because, like, the, th the things that they feel like they need or they want to, um, I guess, be like um, other people or to fit in. Um, and you talked about this in the book about, like, there's competition, right? There's image, our image, how we feel about ourselves, how other people view us. Um, and what we have, right? You talked about possessions, what we have and, and how influential we are. And I think that we can get really caught up into, you know, the do's and the don'ts, but behind all that is really our need to feel like we belong, feel we're loved. Um, we're important. We really matter. And I think the more we can address that and, and, and provide that for our kids, it makes it easier for them to obey us and listen when we say, okay, no, this is now, this is not how I'm going to have it work for you. This is not how I want you to go. Don't you think like if, if we are yeah. sensitive to that, right? Definitely. Definitely. I think it's all, um, cause and effect and part of, um, a healthy growth. You know, I like to think of my family as a, a tree and we're all connected. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are storms and there are things that are going to sway, sway branches and sway us. And, um, but if we're connected to God and, and to each other, then we're going to weather those really difficult days together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one thing I thought was really interesting, you said that, um, it's never too late to apologize that it's, it's, we have to give ourselves permission to be firm and to also figure out what it is we can do to help teach our kids to um, have be grateful for what they have and who they are. But in, in practicing that in our parenting and saying no and when to say yes, that it's a learning process for us and that we, we, we can make mistakes. And that it's never too late to apologize to our kids. Yes, it isn't. Um, some of the most powerful and really spiritual moments I've had um, as a mother and as a woman have been when I've apologized and asked for forgiveness. Could you share that story with us? Because that really touched me when I was reading it about, um, um, do you know which one? Oh, when Madison, I think it was when Madison was um, wanting to go to, was it a party? Yeah, um, I think you're probably talking about the, it was like a school field trip. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. It's a school yeah. field trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was one of those. Um, I think I've always been a very black and white person and just really, I wanted to be consistent and I had all of these, I, I think I missed my child's heart. And, um, she had earned a field trip and, um, I didn't like her attitude one day and we were struggling just mother daughter stuff. And, um, I kind of threw out there in anger, if you don't stop, I'm going to take this away. And, you know, then I had to follow through and in my gut, I was like, oh, I've got to follow through on this. And, and so I took it away and it was one of those, I mean, it really shaped, um, and changed me as a mom because I missed it. I missed, I was so caught up in, again, this is the right thing to do, but this isn't the holy thing to do. Um, that I think I, I missed 
my child's heart. And so I went to her and, and apologized and, um, and really asked her forgiveness and humbled myself. And, um, it really redirected our relationship. And I think for her, and and I tell my kids all this all the time, you know, I haven't been a mom to a 13 year old boy before. I haven't been a mom to a 16 year old daughter before. I don't necessarily know what's around the next bend and I'm learning like they're learning and we're all kind of figuring it out together. And, um, I think it's just to, instead of ruling our home with an iron fist, you know, just in grace and humility, when we're wrong, admit we're wrong. Um, and yeah, it's been definitely some of the hardest moments, but also just the deeply spiritual where God moved in my heart because, um, I always feel like he's parenting me as I parent my kids and he's, you know, wooing me to him and, um, saying, you know, I, I am here and I forgive you and I want the best for you and all the things we want for our children. He wants for us. And it's just such a great mirror Mm -hmm. um, that he teaches us through. Yeah. And I wanted to have you share that because I think sometimes we have a kind of a default parenting mode that we're very comfortable with. And um, there's a maybe a new direction we want to bring our kids in, but we may be feeling afraid that, well, what if I harm my kids? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I um, do this? I, I establish this new rhythm or I establish this new expectation. I start speaking to my child in a different way. We may be afraid of making mistake, right? I think that's the heart mm-hmm. of every parent's fear is that I don't want to ruin my kids. I don't want to hurt them or win them. But I love your story because, you know, God's always calling us to grow as people ourselves with him. Like you talk about how God's parenting us. So if we are already growing, we need to give ourselves permission to also grow as parents. And that, that ultimately when we're with God and we have God's love, that there's nothing that can ever be so bad that it would ruin. I think that's the voice of the enemy. You know, it keeps yes. us, it keeps us unchanged. It keeps us doing the same thing all the time. You know, we don't want to move from it. I think that, you know, this book is giving us permission to say, hey, there is a lot of different issues and important things we can think about as, as parents in this society, in this culture that's all about. Um, being entitled, right? And not being grateful. So I think that this book is giving us permission to talk about those things, talk about what would be hard. And um, you showed us, hey, maybe even a moment where we're making a mistake, it's okay because we can we can use that as a way to go deeper with our children, to be more human, be more honest, and bring them closer to us. Because ultimately what's going to keep them with Jesus is not going to be um, you know, a list of do's and don'ts, as you say. It's going to be right. these memories, these memories that they've created, like, okay, this is my mom. This is our real relationship. She is growing. She's learning. And so am I. So I feel like that is the gift you're giving to your children. And to me, as I read your book, that's how I feel like you, that is the voice of someone nurturing a grateful heart. It's these experiences. Um, so I think ultimately I, I would love to just have our listeners know what this, this journey has brought. Um, and I'd love for you to share about Mercy House 
and Fair Trade Friday because as you're talking about this, maybe a lot of us would say like, oh, that's me, that's me. It sounds so normal every day, which it is, but God has used this heart of yours, this journey, this real journey, right, of learning. And it's led to something really beautiful. It's led to something that is touching uh, women's lives um, for God. You're being the heart and hands of, of, of God because of this journey that isn't perfect, but that's not mm-hmm. what God calls us to be. Not perfect. He's using you. So I love for you to share about Mercy House and Fair Trade Friday. Yeah, I would love to, Bonnie. Um, so right after we, just a few months after we wrote down that family mission statement, more than eight years ago, um, we just began to have opportunities to really um, impact and serve other people. And uh, Mercy House started after a compassion blogging trip that I took in 2010 and um, it's a nonprofit. And um, as of today, our family, this is what we do full time. It's become my husband's full time job and we have maternity homes in Nairobi, Kenya, and we have um, just a desire to empower and impact oppressed and impoverished women around the globe. And it came about through um, really just a mother's heart wanting the best for daughters. And there are so many girls around the world who are oppressed and who struggle just for basic survival and they're traumatized and oppressed by our world. And, um, and so... And giving them our, a home, right? Giving them a home yes. for the girls that um, you want to help guide them as they have their babies um, and these are women that are already traumatized by the stories in their lives. And so you're providing that home for them. Yes, we have two homes in Nairobi, Kenya, and uh, we've had 30 pregnant teenagers between the ages of 12 and 16 come and live in those homes and have their children and become moms. And um, it's not plan A for anyone, but God has redeemed their stories and just done miracles over and over and Part of that process is teaching the women skills so that they can provide for their children in the future. Right. So and, what is it um, that they make? Because that kind of then is related to um, the right. other wonderful idea that has just really blossomed, right? Yes. And so um, they make all kinds of things, you know, jewelry and accessories and soap and um, a lot of fair trade items. And um, as these women began to graduate and leave the home um, over the past few years, they have started um, teaching other women how to make items to help tell their story and to live in community together. And so um, it's grown and and we decided in 2014 to start a fair trade subscription club where women in America can really come alongside women and now not only in Kenya, but we're working in um, 19 other countries besides Kenya where we buy fair trade product and it provides employment for these women in all these different countries and it empowers them to be able to take care of their families. Um, It also also helps us sustain our maternity homes Mm -hmm. in Kenya and so women here in America can join the clubs and become members 
and get great, cute stuff in the mail. Well, that's what I wanted to ask next because, you know, here we're hearing your story and um, we would love to be able to participate. How would we be able to do that? So it sounds like we would be able to get something that we would enjoy, which is um, you, I was asking you, well, what kind of clubs are there? And you were telling us that there's an, uh, one club that is, we would receive earrings. Is that right? Yes. You can tell us about the three different clubs. There's three yes, different there's subscriptions. Ear- earring of the month, uh, bracelet of the month, and then our main club is uh, three to four fair trade items that are, it could be jewelry, accessories, soap, home items. Um, but we have different options for every budget and, yeah. uh, everything in the mail that you get includes like a gift tag so that if it doesn't work for you, it's something that you can give as a gift and continue sharing the story. We tell you how many women you employ every time you get something in the mail. Um, we do this all in Jesus's name. So all of the groups that we work with are faith-based. And so we're not only helping provide jobs for them, but we're doing it um, so they can find true freedom. Oh, gosh, yeah. This is really, really exciting. And um, I was asking Kristen, what's the newest thing that's happening with Fair Trade Friday? And she was telling me previously there was a wait list because the response has just been so amazing. Um, But now there's no wait list. So these clubs now... Um, you guys can subscribe and start receiving it and be a part of this movement that's global. Um, and we always hear about it's so it's it's definitely wonderful that it's happening a lot. Um, you know, women helping women across the globe. But what I love about this is that it started with um, you, Kristen, and your family, where you weren't even it wasn't in your mind or goal to do it. It came about very organically because you guys wanted right. to have a mission. And develop a heart that's grateful and connected to each other. And then out of that, there's like the seed planted. And then it now is blessing thousands of women across the world. Yeah, it's it's been a wild journey. Um, we really just started with that simple um, prayer, you know, to let our family be a light in the darkness. And, and then God opened one door and we stepped through it. And he opened another one and we stepped through it. And I think that's how we find our purpose in life is just simple obedience and it looks different for everyone. And it's definitely been hard and challenging, but um, it's an honor to serve Jesus and to really provide opportunities um, for families to serve and, and to find ways to really add perspective to their home. So I think that's one of the neat things about this book project is um, we it all kind of comes full circle. Um, we have a global family kit that goes along with the book that you can buy. And um, it's was created to help families really um, add perspective to their home. And um, because a lot of times perspective stirs up gratitude and we can see how other people live and we're more grateful for how we live. And so the kits um, teach us about these women in the different countries they come in, they live in and Every kit comes with an activity ball made by a woman in another country, and it provides a job for her. And so it all works together just so that, you know, in order to to help our families, a lot of times it starts with helping other people. Right. Okay, so where can someone go to find out more about the kit and about your book and how they go together? Yes, you can go to RaisingGratefulKids.com, and that will take you 
to the different places you can buy the book and, and the kit. Um, mercyhousekenya.org is also our nonprofit. So that will get you all the different places you need to go. Okay, that sounds great. Um, I love that the kit is interactive. And so that's something, again, that um, would be really um, helpful. Like you said, it, it kind of shows yes. like a different country and what it is that they make. And it comes with a little um, um, toy. I know that we yes. had used it. Um, so, and it was very interesting to talk about. And these are places that we don't know anything about. But um, my kids go to public school. And I know that they are exposed to so many different um ideas about, you know, reaching out globally. That's a really big theme, you know, in our public schools. And so I love that oh, we have a Christian voice in that. And so that was something that was fun for us to do. Yes. So Kristen, I just wanted to thank you for spending the time. I know that there's so much going on, taking care of um, not only your own family, your own home, but the homes of um, these women through Mercy House and also also inviting all the different people to join you in Fair Trade Friday and with the release of this new book. Again, her book is Great Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. Um, thank you so much for spending this time with us and for your stories. Really, thank really you. appreciate it. It's great to be here. Thank you. Okay. Well, listeners, I hope that you have heard something that really inspired and sparked your soul that you can hear from Kristen that our everyday lives, our everyday journey, God can put a seed and inspiration. And I love what Kristen said. She said it started with a simple prayer. And so I guess my question today is, what is a simple prayer that God may be putting on your heart to pray with him? And I'm so excited in anticipation for what God is going to do with that seed. I hope you have a wonderful day and the rest of the moments will be touched with refreshment and rest. Okay, bye-bye. See you next time. Oh, one more thing. To join the Whispers of Rest book club community that's happening in the private Facebook group, go to whispersofrest.com. Once there, you can sign up with your email and you'll get my newsletter and get an invitation to join the private Facebook group. All you need to do to become a member is to buy a copy of the book, and that encourages and nurtures a community of kindred spirits. You're going to love it. It's an encouraging community and safe community where we can share from our journey as it unfolds. Also, during the week, I'd love to connect with you. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at the Bonnie Gray. And if you want to send me any of your questions, hop over to my website at thebonniegray.com. Okay, have a wonderful week. I'll see you next time. When the thunder of my faults wakes me up again, you put me in my bed and you took
someday I will be with you.